You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. But it, it is easier for those with power and privilege to, to merely worship Jesus, to, to just preach a gospel about Jesus. It, it's easier for them to build a religion around Jesus than it is for them to hear the gospel that Jesus preached to the marginalized and pushed down and, and to build a better world in the here and now. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 246 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of resistance, survival, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is it's easier to build a religion than to build a better world. Uh, our feature text of Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now, earlier this month on April 4th, many people around the world, um, we together observed the 50-year the anniversary of the assassination of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And one poem that I return to each year on both April 4th and on, on January 21st, MLK Day, is, is Carl Wendell Hines Jr.'s poem, It's a Dead Man's Dream. It's quoted in full by, by Vincent Harding in his book, Martin Luther King, An Inconvenient Hero. And it, it reads, Now that he's safely dead, let us praise him. Build monuments to his glory, sing hosannas to his name. Dead men make such convenient heroes. For they cannot rise to challenge the images that we might fashion from their lives. It's easier to build monuments than to build a better world. So now that he is safely dead, we, with eased consciences, will teach our children that he was a great man, knowing that the cause for which he lived is still a cause, and the dream for which he died is still a dream. A dead man's dream. And that's, uh, again, Carl Wendell Himes Jr., now that he's safely dead. It's in a uh, drum major for a dream, page 23, and it's quoted again by uh, Vincent Harding and Martin Luther King Jr., or Martin Luther King, uh, the inconvenient hero. Um, so, so, so why do we turn those who threatened their social order um, during their time into revered or even worshipped heroes after they've died. Why, why do so many of us, why do we praise these controversial figures from our history rather than, than following them? And today, those in power ignore King's radicalness, especially from the years of 1965 to 1968. And his, his ideas during those years specifically are, aren't taught to new generations, yet King is lifted up by, by those in power as an American hero. And if the King of, of 1968 were still alive today, he would be one of the loudest critiques of America's capitalism, of America's continued racism, of America's militarism, both its domestic and foreign militarism. And the line in Heinz's poem that jumps out at me each time I read it is it's easier to build monuments than to build a better world. The pattern of turning into heroes, those who once spoke unpopular truth to power, it's part of the Jesus story as well. In both Matthew's and Luke's version 
version of the story, those in power who were threatened by Jesus's gospel to the poor and the marginalized, they built monuments to the prophets of old, even though their actions repeated the very history that killed the prophets who critiqued those in power within their own society um, to an early death. So, so again, Matthew 23, 29 through 30, uh, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And yet you say, if we have lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourself that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. And in Luke 11, 47 through 48, woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and yet it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you build their tombs. So in this week's feature text above, the question is asked, why do you call me Lord? Why do you worship me or revere me or memorialize me um, and not do what I say? And this could be said about those who have revered the, the Hebrew prophets. It could have been said, it can be said about Dr. King. It could be said about Jesus and many more in history um, who, who, who choose to revere these figures, but not follow their teachings. Consider just three areas of, of Dr. King's teachings first that are, are um, not ignored, but profoundly contradicted by those in power today who, who publicly revere uh, his, his memory. Um, let's talk about King's anti-capitalism for first. Um, and this is speech to the Negro American Labor Council, 1961. Call it democracy or call it democratic socialism, but there must be a better distribution of wealth within this country for all God's children. Um, in a report to the SCLC staff in May 1967, King stated, we must recognize that we can't solve our problem now until there is a radical redistribution of economic and political power. This means a revolution of values and other things. We must see now that the evils of racism, economic exploitation, and militarism are all tied together. You can't really get one of, rid of one without getting rid of the others. The whole structure of American life must be changed. America is a hypocritical nation, and we must put our house in order. And then again, in a speech to the SCLC board in March 30, 1967, um, he stated, the evils of capitalism are as real as the evils of militarism and the evils of racism. And when King was saying these things, he wasn't labeled as an American hero to be celebrated with an American federal holiday. King was labeled as, as the greatest threat to America, um, or at least a great threat to America. One of many reasons, uh, again, being that, that King's critique of the U.S. economic order um, that makes a, a, a few in our society inconceivably wealthy while forcing others into to poverty, um, uh, it threatened those that were benefited by that system. The head of the FBI's domestic intelligence division, J. Edgar Hoover, he labeled King uh, with these words. He said, we must mark him now if, if we have not done so before as the most dangerous Negro of the future in this nation from the standpoint of communism, the Negro, and the national security. And again, that's August 30th, 1963, post-speech uh, memo, Communist Party USA, Negro Question. King, King's, let's talk about King's anti-militarism.
Lutherism too while we're talking about this. This is number two. Again, in his book, uh, Martin Luther King, an Inconvenient Hero, Vincent Harding writes about how Martin Luther King Jr. Day, how it originally included, especially its first one, it included um, the pomp of the very military that King decried and, 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 and Martin Luther King Day was instituted by the very government whose global policies um, he, he denounced. Vincent Harding writes, Now that King seems safely dead, now that he has been properly installed in the National Pantheon to the accompaniment of military bands with the U.S. Marine Corps' chorus singing, We Shall Overcome, and the cadence of uh, cadenced marching of the armed forces color guards, we think we know the man's impact and influence. Didn't President Reagan sign a bill authorizing a national holiday honoring the teacher of nonviolence shortly after the president had sent the comrades of the singers and musicians to carry out an armed attack on Grenada, one of the smallest countries in the world? And didn't Vice President Bush go to Atlanta to help inaugurate the King national holiday in January 1986, presumably taking time off from his general oversight of the murderous Nicaraguan counter-revolutionary forces who were being brutally manipulated in this government's cynical attempt to destroy what was one of the most hopeful revolutions for the poor in the Americas. Um, so again, the, the contradiction between um, King's anti-militarism and and uh, uh, and and. and being celebrated by by these central figures of America, uh, America's militarism. Um, it, it's just a it's a stark contradiction, um, it, it, stark in, inconsistency. And again, that's uh, Vincent Harding, Martin Luther King, inconvenient hero. And and lastly, let's talk about King's anti racism. The, the actions of the the, the current U.S. administration. Um, over the past year has given rise to to hate speech and the expression of of a myriad of violent phobias and dog whistles have caused lo- those like uh, David Duke to to see in our present administration a champion for for making America white again and and those in the administration they've repeatedly and they've publicly condemned those who who walk in the path of of King's legacy and think think of Colin Kaepernick for just one example and and uh, they they've condemned um modern protests and those expressions of of the very same injustices that King protested himself. And yet on the 50th anniversary of King's assassination, both the American president and the vice president, uh, they tweeted these two tweets. This is first from from, uh, Trump. Today we honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the 50th anniversary of his assassination. Earlier this year I spoke about Dr. King's legacy of justice and peace and his impact on uniting Americans. Um, hashtag MLK50, and then he gave a link to a proclamation. I'll give you a link to that tweet in this week's site. And then uh, Pence, he he tweeted, 50 years ago today, Dr. King's life was tragically cut short, but that did not stop his immortal words, his courageous example, and his faith from inspiring generations of Americans. Today, we honor the man and the dream, hashtag MLK50. An article worth reading in the context of these two uh, uh, tweets is David Zirin's article, 
Donald Trump and Mike Pence have no business speaking about Martin Luther King Jr. Um, both of these men have inspired um, the, the racist fabric of America to resurface, and uh, uh, and for them to to be to be tweeting about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. On this day, read again in context Jesus's words in in Matthew, Matthew twenty three twenty nine through thirty one. Um, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would have not taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. And lastly, this week, let's talk about Jesus. Um, and this brings me to the thought um, that that always rolls around this time of year, and that that weighs heavily uh, on me. Um, we've done a very similar thing to the historical Jesus that that we've done to to Dr. King. Today, we could, in in Heinz fashion, we could say uh, about Jesus and the religion that's been created around him that it's easier to build a world religion than to build a better world. And recently I sat in my, my local town hall and I listened to a panel of young people, which included my daughter, representing our local March for Our Lives campaign. And, and these young people, they, they posed questions to those who are right now in our county currently running for political election in our, our May 8th primary. And one of the candidates had me on the floor and, and a pious yet uninformed spirit. The, the candidate said that the problem in our society is not that we need more laws, but that we need a return to God. They said they were uh, a Christian and that they felt that the way to solve our social challenges was for our society to return to the path uh, of Jesus and by implication, the ways and teachings of, of Jesus. And, and while I agree that I believe Jesus's teachings of liberation from systemic oppression and, and survival and resistance and reparation and transformation, they can still speak to society's challenges. I was deeply concerned about the, the incredible contradiction between the candidate's statement and everything else that candidate had stated up to that point. If I had to choose between someone who, who religiously worshiped Jesus as they passed through this world on their way to heaven and, and and a secular candidate, even an atheist or agnostic, who genuinely aligned with Jesus's actual ethics and, and teachings and, and wrestled with how to apply them in our life with the marginalized and the oppressed, I'd have to pick the latter. That There are many sectors of the Christian religion that, that deeply uh, contradict Jesus's actual teachings. And consider just the following passages from the early church. Let's talk about the early church's anti-capitalism and Luke 12, 33, uh, we find Jesus' words, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide your purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Or Acts eleven twenty nine, it says the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And then in Acts 2, uh, 45, it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then Acts 4, 
435, and, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And in Acts 434, it says there were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales. Um, they, they took their capital that they had accrued and they liquidated it. Um, those that were able gave to those who had needs, and, and everyone contributed as they were able, and they took as they had need. Let's talk about the nonviolence or the, the mutual aid and the enemy love of, of the early Jesus movement. Matthew 26, 52, it says, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Um, in Matthew 5, 38 through 48, so you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one that asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even Gentiles do that. So, so I mean, just these words alone um, contradict so much of, of the current policies and politics that are being uh, pushed by the those in power while they're claiming to be Christians or followers of this Jesus. Um, look at uh, uh, Jesus's solidarity or the early church's solidarity with the societally marginalized. And, and Luke 5.30, it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Or, or Matthew 9.13, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I've come to call the not the righteous, but but sinners. So and and again, I don't think these were ontological sinners. I think they were those who were being labeled as sinners so that they could be marginalized in 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 the context of their society. So so what's the conclusion this week? Some who 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 called Jesus Lord uh, in the story, they did embrace Jesus's teachings also. And, and there are some today who embrace him too. The story of, of Zacchaeus, I think, represents them. Uh, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And, and it is, it's, it's, that's Luke 19 verse eight, by the way, but it, it is easier for those with power and privilege to to merely worship Jesus. It's easier for those with power and privilege to to just preach a gospel about Jesus. Um, it's it's easier for them to build a religion around Jesus. Um, it's it's easier to do all of these things than it is for them to hear the gospel that Jesus preached to the marginalized and pushed down, that, that, that Jesus taught, and, and to build a better world in the here and now. Both King and Jesus, they were radicals, and they've both been moderated and muted since, since their deaths. And in both of, both of them, they leave us with the, the call to engage to, to apply and to, to, to live out their teachings or, or to follow them and to not just simply build 
monuments to them. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Our group application this week, uh, number one, which teachings of Jesus do you find challenging in our modern context, if any? And then number two, which teachings of Jesus do you think challenge the the pursuit of justice today? Uh, Which teachings do you see supporting uh, our, our justice work today? And then number three, discuss your answers with your heart group this upcoming week and how, how your group can, can more deeply engage the teachings that are found in the Jesus story as we, we make our world a safer, just, more compassionate world uh, for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us this week, wherever you are. Keep living in love and resistance and survival, liberation, reparation, and transformation. I love each one of you dearly. Another world is possible. I'll see you next week. Mm